Hello, I'm Mariette Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today we're talking about weight, health, body image and the psychology of eating. My guest is Bev Liebsen, mind-body eating and wellness coach from Ein Sarid in Israel. Welcome Bev. Thank you so much Mariette. I'm so pleased to be here again. It's just such a pleasure. And to our listeners, in the course of our conversation, Ben is going to give us her best tips on transforming your relationship with food. And then it will be fun question time. Bev, in our previous podcast you talked about the huge health challenges you used to face and how you transformed your life against all odds. I know that in the process of doing this you studied at the Institute for the Psychology of Eating based in the US. Could you tell us which approach is followed at the institute? Yes, sure, with pleasure. I actually studied the psychology of eating and how to change your relationship with food. So basically the psychology of eating is if I can say divided into two main sections. Um the one is dynamic eating psychology which I'll explain a little bit about now. Mm-hmm. Um and the other one is uh, mind body nutrition. The difference between the two is that the da- dynamic eating psychology it's it's a new, it's a very new field which was actually originated by Mark David who's the founder of the Institute of the Psychology of Eating. and it's a very positive empowering and transformational approach that's de- designed for anybody who eats basically okay so each of us has um our own unique fascinating and ever changing relationship with food as we know because everybody's an individual and nobody has the same um eating patterns <clears throat> excuse me or eating challenges and the uh, the the dynamic eating psychology affirms the primary importance of this relationship it sees our challenges with eating weight and health not as an indication that we're broken but rather as a, a really beautiful opportunity to grow and evolve and it affirms that our relationship with food has important lessons to teach us if we only choose to listen to those those um lessons and it also recognizes our challenges with eating weight and health because it's it's intimately connected with other primary life dimensions it's to do with relationships with family with work sexuality um and our search for meaning and fulfillment and i must admit so much more that we you know we just we don't realize how what an impact it has and uh, it's also a very very powerful breakthrough approach now the difference the next approach is the mind body nutrition um and also it's also a very new uh, exciting field and advances the practice of clinical nutrition by exploring the psychophysiology of how thoughts feelings beliefs um and beliefs impact uh, nutritional metabolism in our in our health and this also originated by uh, mark david he was the one that um actually started teaching this and 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 investigating this so it goes far beyond classical nutrition because it it, it focuses more on um the fascinating connection between the brain the body and our behavior to put it simply because i'm i think i'm getting a bit too technical what we eat is only half of the story um of good nutrition the other half is who we actually are as eaters 
So mind-body nutrition reveals how stress physiology, the relaxation response, breathing awareness, pleasure, meal times, and so much more profoundly influences digestion and calorie burning, which is actually what, what we were discussing in our last podcast, um, if you remember. Yes. And it offers practical results, orientated strategies for most commonly seen eating challenges and health issues of our times. So as you can see, the two, the, the two together basically covers a very, very different way of looking at eating challenges. It's not only about what you eat. It's about who we are as eaters as well, which is a very, very, very big difference to, um, you know, like a normal going to a normal dietitian or a normal nutritionist, because it's a very different approach. It's a very different approach because it's more like the connection between mind and body, not only body. Yes. And I could mention here that I've worked with you on a digestive problem. And what struck me was that the usual way this would be approached, I think, is look at what you are eating and look at what your body is doing. So it may feel like, you know, that type of food is the culprit or it may feel like your body is the culprit because it's not functioning as it should. And you don't approach it in that way. No, not at all. Not at all, as as you know. <laughs> mm. I think I think you were a little bit surprised at the questions I was asking. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll we'll come to the type of questions you ask. You've said that our challenges with eating, weight, and health are intimately connected to aspects of our life, like our relationships, our work, our sexuality, our search for meaning and fulfillment. Can you tell us more about what this means? Yes, absolutely. So let's take a digestive issue mm. to, to start off with because um, there are totally different ways of this manifesting in somebody's life. Uh, often you find that um, if somebody's under a lot of stress, if it's a, a work situation, if they're going through a divorce, if they've lost a loved one, if uh, they're just finding life difficult – uh, for example, I'm just giving all these different examples, and they are finding that they're having a lot of uh, di digestive issues. What often happens is that that's the body showing that uh, there's a problem. Now, they'll immediately go to the doctor and say, oh, my goodness, I've got terrible heartburn or um, I've got reflux and I'm, I've got a burning sensation in my chest or in my tummy. Um, and Nine times out of 10, a doctor will prescribe or a practitioner will describe some sort of an antacid to basically uh, alkaline the digestive system or the tummy. Because what happens is that our bodies produce acids in, and enzymes in order to be able to digest our food. So when we start getting uh, irritations in that area, whether it's in your uh, esophagus or your tummy or, you know, uh, your colon, generally practitioners or, I mean, even alternative uh, uh, practitioners immediately want to prescribe medication, okay? Or they say to you, okay, fine, um, you know, cut out fizzy drinks, cut out uh, milk, cut out certain foods without actually 
finding out what's going on because a lot of the times, I would say at least 80% of the times, it's not actually the food that is causing it. It's your emotional state because if you're under terrible stress, as I've explained what stress is before, I'll just redefine what stress is. Stress is any physical or emotional threat on the body and how the body reacts to that threat. Now, our body doesn't know whether it's an emotional threat or whether it's a physical threat. So it actually reacts in exactly the same way, whether it is a physical threat or whether it's an emotional threat. And when I'm talking about a physical threat, it's like, let's say uh, somebody's attacking you and you need to fight back. So what happens is that your digestion completely uh, shuts down because you don't need your digestion in order to fight back. You need adrenaline that gets pumped through your body, um, you know, in order to be able to either run faster or be able to 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 hit somebody or be in that kind of uh, position. Uh, now, an emotional stress is something that we actually create ourselves. It's our thoughts, how we talk to ourselves. So if we speak to ourselves negatively or we are really worried about a situation or really sad because let's say we've lost somebody that's close to us or somebody's ill or uh, you've had a breakup or a divorce or something like that. You, you know, often people say you feel like you've got this hollow feeling in your tummy. You know, it feels like you you hollow, like you... Um, there's this, this pain, this hollow pain in your tummy when you're really um, hurting or, you know, uh, missing somebody. Now, that is, that's an emotional feeling. It's got nothing to do with what you're eating. So if a doctor or if a practitioner gives you a medication in order to, to make that feeling uh, easier, it's not going to help. Because it's not actually a physical, it's not caused by a, a physical thing like an allergy to food. Yes, sometimes it can be that. It can. I'm not saying that it's not. The, the question you asked me is how does all the emotional sides, uh, the emotional issues affect digestion? Well, this is exactly why I'm saying you get very similar symptoms with the emotional and physical issues as you do with food sensitivities or food uh, allergies. But modern medicine or uh, even alternative medicine tend to practice trying to fix because they look at you as broken, because it's something that's broken because it's not working properly. So they try and fix the symptom instead of actually asking questions and understanding why this is happening. And this is and this is the difference between the methods that I use as opposed to uh, traditional nutritionists, dietitians, uh, practitioners. This is where the difference comes in. Most of the most of the practitioners or modern medicine or, or, or nutritionists or dietitians work on fixing or concentrating on the symptoms, whereas for me. Um, and the methods that I have learned at the Institute uh, for the Psychology of Eating. Concentrate more on why it's happening. Let's find out what the cause is, because if you find out what the cause is and you work on that, you tend to find that the symptoms will disappear by themselves. That's referring to like a digestive issue. Other issues that, that come up when these different um, challenges appear in your life, sexuality, uh, health issues with work or things like that, Emotional eating can begin. 
uh, binge eating. This is a situation that, that, that occurs and becomes an issue when the emotion and the stress eating becomes a problem, when we use food as a surrogate for the feelings uh, rather than fully experiencing the process and digesting what is actually happening. And digesting what is actually happening, I'm not meaning meaning the digestion in as in food, but us actually dealing with the situation. Because what we do is that we use food as a, a substitute to take away that feeling and or dealing with that situation. And that's when emotional eating comes in. That's when binge eating comes in, you know, because we, we substitute that instead of actually dealing with the actual situation. So can, can you see the differences, like um, how, how our, the way we live our life and actually what is happening in our lives actually affects how we digest food and how we calorie burn, for example. It's all connected. And it's not a matter of being broken and, and fixing something. It's more about looking at the body as the body um, sending us a message and us learning how to understand what that message is trying to tell us. So it's more a teaching, a teaching process rather than a, an issue of being broken and fixing. So it seems to me what you are saying is that the body reflects what is going on in our lives. Absolutely. Without a doubt. It's not only about eating and what we eat. Mm. It's very much about, you know, what is happening in our lives at that time as well. So if we look at a digestive problem, for instance, you would say it reflects a problem with digesting what is happening to us or what is in our surroundings. Absolutely. And brilliantly, beautifully put. Exactly that. Could you perhaps give us a specific example of this type of thing? You have mentioned divorce and some other examples, but perhaps another one, please. Okay. Uh, well, as I was explaining previously, for example, let's say a breakup, as you said, a divorce or a, or a relationship breakup, or even um, yeah, somebody losing a death. Those three examples, you, you, get, you actually physically get sick. Because in a lot of people, they feel, they get this like, it's almost like a pain, a pain or a, an emptiness. Or, or sometimes it even feels, it feels like you've got a stone in your heart or a, like a, an empty, hollow, sick feeling that you get in your tummy or in your solar plexus area. Now, As I said, a lot of people would uh, go to a doctor and say, you know, I've got this nauseous feeling the whole time. My tummy is really tender. It's very sore. When I touch it and I press it, it's very tender. Now, usually in a lot of cases, practitioners, practitioners would diagnose a, an antacid, often an antacid or maybe even a muscle relaxant. Other people would say maybe, you know, it's an allergy to a food or something like that. But when you really look at it, like, for example, the first question I would ask that person is, when did it actually start? And they would say, for example, oh, about a month ago. And then my next question would be, okay, tell me what was going on in your life a month ago. And 
you know, nine times out of 10, they would say, oh, well, for example, as we've given the three examples now, oh, uh, a really close friend died or my boyfriend broke up with me or my girlfriend broke up with me. Um, then immediately I would go into explaining, you know, like what was going on in that situation and allowing them to say, okay, well, you know, if it started then, maybe there's a connection the first thing I would do is find out what was going on in the last. Then I would move on to, okay, well, do you do certain things that you feel makes it feel better? Um, a lot of times people aren't even aware that what's happening in, in their bodies. And they sit there and they say, well, wow, you know, when you come to think of it, yes, that did happen at that time. Or yes, I felt better when, you know, instead of like jumping into to the physical aspect of it, we start talking about actually what was going on in their lives at that time. And by the end of the conversation, they'll often turn around just by having a conversation and acknowledging it. A lot of people will say, wow, you know, that really makes sense. I, I feel better. That feeling has like subsided a bit. And that's why I'm saying, like, you know, just being aware of it, your body's telling you, your body's saying to you, hey, listen, you need to talk about it, you need to share, you need to uh, acknowledge it, even go through it, you know, because some people just, instead of actually dealing with the pain or the challenge or the fear, they say, okay, no, this isn't happening, and they actually block it out of their minds to be able to get over it, and instead they'll, they'll turn to something else to help deal with that pain or that uh, emptiness or that uh, fear. And that's when food comes into it. Because majority of people turn to food in some way. It also has the reverse effect. Often people uh, stop eating. They lose their appetite. Like there'll be a breakup and all of a sudden somebody will start suffering from uh, in enormous weight loss and fatigue, no energy, not being able to concentrate, brain fog. Because what's happening is that they've lost their appetite and they don't want to eat. So the body's not getting the energy that it needs to be able to fulfill the needs that that person has to uh, um, experience through a day. It's like a double-sided sword. It, it, it can be uh, either, you know, some people turn to food and other people turn away from food. But both of them have the effects. The, the, the effects definitely um, can be seen on the body. And the body will definitely start giving signs that it needs help in some form. I hope, I hope it's clear. <laughs> it's clear. What I really like about this approach is that it, it means your body is not the enemy. Because, you know, if you suddenly have, say, a digestive problem, then it feels as if your body has turned against you for some reason and you have no idea what's going on. But when you put it into perspective like that and you see that it is connected to what's going on in your life, you've realized that your body is reflecting perhaps your, your reaction to what's going on in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's teaching you, you know, exactly what you said. It's not an enemy. It's actually, it's, it's, it's a friend. Your body is your friend. And the more you strengthen that friendship with the body, the more you can read what it's trying to tell you. Because that's unfortunately what, especially in the weight and the body image side, the culture in, in weight and body image, the diet world paints such a, a horrible picture. It's, that's the only way for me to describe it, a negative picture 
if somebody doesn't fit into a mold because the diet culture uh, has created a mold that that a person needs to fit into. You need to be a certain weight. You need to be a certain size. You need to be a certain look. And if you don't fit into that mold, then you don't fit in. And the message is it's not only that you don't fit into this perfect image, but you don't fit in at all. You don't fit into society. You don't fit into life. You don't fit into this um, ideal world, if you can call it that. And this is the message that we are actually, that's drummed into us from a very, very early age. You know, like when a child is chubby, you know, when a baby's chubby, okay, let me use a baby as an example. You're not going to turn around to a baby of, of three months or four months or five months old that is chubby and say, you fat, you, you've got to go on diet, you know, I'm not going to give you food. You look at this child and you love the child for whoever that child is. You love that baby. doesn't matter whether it's fat, whether it's thin, whether it's – there's no um, – judgment put onto that baby so why is there a judgment put onto people when they grow up as they are growing up why do they have to fit into this mold when they get older there's this 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 script that we all have to fit into that we teach our children from a very very early age there's good foods and there's bad foods there's you must eat healthily and if you eat healthily you're going to be strong and you're going to be successful and you're going to be uh, uh beautiful and you're going to you know your life is going to be perfect and you even see this in the fairy tales that we teach our children there's always a villain there's always a beautiful princess there's always a a handsome prince but there's always a wicked witch or there's always a uh, ugly stepsister or there's always an ugly stepmother you know reading them and teaching our children these things which we all have done you don't realize what the psychological effect it has at a later stage because that's what you grow up believing you grow up believing that you have to be that beautiful princess or that perfect prince and if you don't fit into that mold or into that um, uh, figure then you aren't perfect. Then you're not successful in anything. It's very much a, um, it's not only about uh, how you look, it's how you perform. It's how, how you fit into society. And it's actually very sad. And it starts at such an early age. You know, there's this, this invisible mold that marketing and the diet culture and the, the weight culture and the image that you have to fit into. You know, uh, there's so many people that come to me and they say to me, Bev, I want to lose 10 kilos because when I lose these 10 kilos, then my life is going to be perfect. Everything's going to fall into place. And my question to that is, okay, if you had a magic, ma magic wand in your hand and you could lose that 10 kilos now, okay, and all these wonderful things you believe will happen, great. Why do you believe it can't happen right now? Why is it that that 10 kilos has such, a, such an impact on you fulfilling what you want to be and what you want in your life? If you can't lose that 10 kilos, what's stopping you from still fulfilling your dream? Is your dream based on losing 10 kilos? 
it's very interesting. That's often where I, uh, I work on with when it comes to weight loss and when it comes to body image, because all those things are all connected. Mm. You know, one feels that they have to look and be a certain size and a certain weight in order to be successful or in order to fulfill their dreams or in order to fit into society. Because that's what we've been programmed to. That's what's, that's what's been drummed into us our whole lives, all of our lives. But it's not true. And then you don't only work with that, I, I could say, the psychological aspect of people who come to you. You also look at what they are eating, don't you? Absolutely, without a doubt, because as I mentioned before, it's not only the psychological side. Half of it is the eating side and half of it's the, the, the mental side. It's, mm. it's a combination of both. It's the connection between mind and body. So what we put into our body is also exceptionally important, but it is not the main, the main aspect. It's when we eat, how we eat, and what we eat. Those are the two W's that I always say. Uh, what we eat plays a huge role, but there's no good and bad in my the way I look at, at food because food doesn't have an emotion, okay? It can't be good and it can't be bad. Mm. It's the story that we attach to the food that makes it good or bad. But you help people to find out what is more compatible with him, I think. Absolutely, without a doubt. By, by just making a few small uh, tweaks to somebody's diet. I don't even like using the word diet. I say your eating um, story, that's the best. Your, your, your eating story is the best way to describe it because everybody has their own issues, their own likes and dislikes to food. And what I do is I go through, first of all, finding out whether there's allergies, whether there's um, sensitivities, because being allergic to something and having a sensitivity to something is two totally different things. Uh, somebody that suffers, suffers from uh, Crohn's disease, for example, or allergies to gluten or allergies to milk or lactose, um, that's, that's an allergy. Whereas often what happens is that we have a sensitivity to something where we see that our body is reacting to it, but if you, let's say, stop eating that food for a, a, a few weeks or a month, for example, let's, let's give you an example. Somebody uh, has issues with stomach cramps or bloatedness when they eat, let's say, uh, bread. They may not necessarily suffer from an allergy to gluten. It could just be that they're sensitive, sensitive to it at the moment. So by strengthening the lining of your stomach, by you know having more probiotics, having more greens, uh, staying away from bread so that your body can heal itself, then you go back to eating bread, but not every day, three times a day. You have a slice of bread in the morning or four times a week. You'll tend to find that after that period of giving your time, giving your body time to heal, you'll generally be able to go back to eating the, the, the item or the food that you thought you had an allergy to, but you don't really. It's just a sensitivity, but it's your body saying, hey, listen, give me a break. I need to get over this at the moment. Um, we'll come back to it. Mm. Also, just, just, just by changing when you eat, you know, sometimes people skip meals and it's not, it's not good for them. They think that it's okay. But they start having their body start saying to them, hey, listen, I'm not reacting well to this. And then you start introducing um, 
let's say, eating small meals through the day or having three meals a day and having a snack between. Because everybody's situation is different and everybody likes different foods and everybody lives their lives differently, um, there's no cookie-cutter diet, if I can call it that. There's no cookie-cutter method. So you've got to experiment all the time to see what is good for you. And that's what I do. We, we, we rewrite your food story. We sit and we, um, you know, I find out exactly what you eat, when you eat it, how you eat it. You know, when you sit down and, and, and have a meal, are you a fast eater, a moderate eater, a slow eater? All these things have an impact on how your body is reacting. So these are some of the tools you give people. Absolutely. Uh, are there other tools that you could mention that you give people to help them alter their eating patterns and behaviors? Absolutely. First of all, check whether you're a fast, slow or, or moderate eater, which I mentioned before. Mm. Become more in tune with what your body's telling you. If something's starting to happen, don't necessarily run to the doctor. Oh, you know, skin allergies. This is a tool so that people can understand. Often skin challenges, example, are coming out in a rash or psoriasis or uh, eczema, things like that. Uh, instead of running and getting cortisone or creams or whatever it is to take it away, think about when it actually happened. Become more in tune with your body because what happens is these things happen because the body has to release itself from the issue that it's trying to deal with. And if we're constantly suppressing the issue, it's got to come out some way, the challenge. It's got to come out some way. So this is the body's way of saying, hey, listen, there's something going on. I really don't know how to deal with it. So please, can you help me? So you come out in a rash on your body or you start getting ulcers in your mouth or you start getting stomach ache, or hair loss, alopecia. That's an autoimmune condition that often happens through stress. Stress is a major, major issue with alopecia. So, you know, it's a matter of listening. Become more in tune with your body. Become more in tune with, with what's going on. What are the things you're suppressing? What are the things you don't want to deal with? Just become more aware of um, not only what you're eating, when you're eating. Uh, some people find that if they eat a huge meal at night, late at night, a heavy meal late at night, they can't sleep because they get terrible indigestion. So try and eat before seven if you possibly can. Or if you can't, eat something light that your, body's, that your body can easily digest. You know, just just be more aware, uh, depending on your relationship with food. Um, do you look at food as a pleasure or do you look at food as an enemy? All these things have a massive, massive, massive impact on on how our body functions, how we calorie burn, how we digest. It's, it's remarkable how it's all totally intertwined. And it seems to me the main thing is awareness. Awareness, absolutely. There's not even a question. I'd say that that's one of the biggest pinpoints, the biggest aha moments, let's call it that, an aha moment. Yes, and it's very individualized. So we are used to reading about this food is good for that or this is not good for that, but we don't always bring it back to ourselves. 
Absolutely. And it doesn't always agree with you. Mm. One food doesn't necessarily agree with everybody. You know, as I said, everybody's different. Everybody's lives are different. Everybody's metabolism is different. Everybody's lifestyle is different. Nobody's the same. So how can there be one diet or one food or one uh, method that fits everybody? It can't work. What works for somebody may not work for somebody else. And what doesn't work for somebody else may work for another person. That's why it's very individual. And that's why it's so important to, to, to listen to people, listen to their story, listen to, you know, their lives, because that's where all the information is. And that's what makes them so special and makes them so different and makes them the individual they are. So why shouldn't a diet or an eating plan be organized for them? You know, that's how I look at it. I give people eating plans. I don't give them diets. You know, when somebody comes to me and they want a diet and a quick fix, I I refer them to a dietitian or a nutritionist because I'm not a quick fix. It's not Mm -hmm. a quick fix, Mm -hmm. you know, for long-term results. It's something that's sustainable. That's something that you enjoy. It's something that's got to um, be good for you and fit into who you are and what you are. Not a uh, universal diet or, you know, system that everybody's trying and, oh, well, we've had great results with so many people so it fits everybody. No, it doesn't work like that. And I think that's where uh, compulsive dieters fall fall between the cracks because they just go from one diet to the next diet to the next diet, um, losing the weight. And then within a year, they'll put the weight on, if not more, and land up in exactly the same situation because it's not dealing with the root, finding the cause. It's, you know, just dealing with the, the symptoms, which is often the case. Yeah, so you can help us or you can help your, your clients find the root cause and reconnect with themselves and with their body, I would say. Absolutely. And just rewrite their food story because we all have a, a food story that we, we stick to. You know, we often we eat automatically, you know. I'll give you an example. Okay, I'll give you an example of a food script I think everybody can relate to. When you go to a movie or when people go to a movie, the first thing they do is they buy popcorn oh, and yes. a drink. It doesn't matter whether you like popcorn because when you when you aren't at a movie or when you're at home, you would never dream of sitting in front of the TV and going to make popcorn and getting a drink. But when you go to the movies, you go to the cinema, the first thing you do is you buy popcorn and a drink. And that's a food script mm. because that's what people do when they go to movies. It's like an automatic – it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> And that's what we have in our lives as well. We have food scripts that we stick to that we aren't even consciously aware of. We just do it automatically. It's really amazing. Thank you, Bev. Uh, Where can listeners connect to you? Well, at the moment, it's through my email or through you if they want to to get hold of me. I'm currently redoing my website and my Facebook page and everything. But I do have a personal Facebook page as well. But uh, through my email will be great. That's basically how I've been doing it up until now. And word of mouth. (laughs) Yes. So um, until my, my web page is actually up. Just give us your email address, please. It's Bev Liebsen, which is B-E-V for Victor. L-I-E-B for Betty, 
S-O-N at gmail.com. Excuse me. Thank you. And then you have a gift for the listeners. Tell us about your recipe book. Okay. I have a recipe book, uh, which I created for uh, one of my clients who's a very busy mom. And uh, she wanted recipes that were quick and easy, that she could make the recipe once, but actually um, divide it into different meals. So, for example, I have a, a bolognese sauce in the recipe book, which Uh, You make the bolognese sauce, you can use it for spaghetti, you can use it for sloppy joes, you can use it for cottage pie. And that's what the recipe book basically is. I've got like four or five recipes in there that are completely foolproof, that are very easy to make, that are exceptionally delicious, and you can make different meals with them. So I'm giving that as a gift. So whoever contacts me by email or would like the, the, the recipe book, just email me or you and um, we'll send it to you. Yes. So you can either write to bevliebsen at gmail.com or mariettesney, S-N-Y, at mweb.co.za. I'd also like to mention, Bev, that I'm going to link your previous podcast to this one. So our previous podcast was on three crucial factors that influence our weight, health and autoimmunity. Wonderful. That will be great because then, it, you know, if somebody missed that one, they could listen to that one and this one. And it, and it gives a huge amount of uh, tips and tools. That would be great. Thank you. Are you ready for your fun question? Always. I love my fun question. <laughs> now, Bev, you've, you've recently become a granny. Yes. <laughs> my question is, which superpower do you think grannies need the most? Wow. Um, lots and lots of energy. <laughs> <laughs> And my little my little grandson's only six weeks old, and boy, do I still need energy. I thought that the energy was only once they start crawling and walking, but this is a different league. Yeah. <laughs> so I would definitely say energy, yeah. without a doubt. I think you've got that right. Thank you, Bev, for giving us more insight into the psychology of eating, which really relates to each of us. It's my pleasure and thank you so much for having me on the show. Really, it's, it's, been, it's been a delight, an absolute delight. Thank you. And to our listeners, it was good of you to join us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, mariettesneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneyman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.